0: We'll start off with talking about some wrist injuries. Uh, Just to review some normal anatomy of the hand and wrist. Um, You have your radius and ulna here. You should have the close approximation of the distal radial ulnar joint here. Um, Reviewing the carpal bones. Some lovers try positions they can't handle. Remember from med school. Um, And it starts uh, laterally with the scaphoid. Lunate, your triquetrum, and pisiform, and then trapezium, trapezoid, capitate, and hamate are in the distal row. Those all should articulate with the five metacarpals. Um, in general, all the carpal bones should be one to two millimeters from each other, as a general rule. Always uh, look at that distance there. The nerve anatomy: of your ulnar nerve it passes near the hamate and capitate. So anytime you have injuries to those, you can have. Potential for injury to the nerve. Uh, the ulnar nerve innervates your hypothenar component, and then it provides sensory to the fifth finger and half of your ring finger. The median nerve, on the other hand, passes under the carpal ligament, and then any sort of injury to your radius, ulna, or any of your carpal bones can cause uh, displacement injury to this nerve. And then that, again, sensory to your first three fingers so half of your ring finger, the other half finger. Blood supply is by the radial and ulnar arteries and they come together to form the dorsal pal- palmar arch. And then, keep in mind as we all know that the scaphoid bone receives blood supply from the distal part of the arch. It kind of loops around um, and comes back through here providing the blood supply distally. So things you should look for on uh, these X-rays. We talked about the uh, radius and ulna here, and then you should look for these three arcs. Uh, the most, uh, the first two arcs are formed by the proximal and distal parts of the first row of carpels. Um So you can see over here without the lines that there should be a smooth line alongside side, and then a smooth line along here. And then the third arc is formed by the proximal ends of um, the trapezium, trapezoid, capitate, and hamate. And again. Here that they should be smooth um, right along there, so those three things can clue you into any sort of fractures to the carpal bones if they're off. And then I mentioned again, make sure you look to see the distance between all these. Make sure it's only one to two millimeters. So the lateral view to review. Um, hold on, I'm going to use a little drawing tool because that kind of helps to see. So on the lateral view, you should look for the three C's if anyone has heard of this. You have your radius is here, it's your first C. It should align with the lunate, which is your second C, and then the capitate, which is your third C. Um, So those should kind of be stacked on top of each other, and then that should articulate with your third metacarpal. Um, So always look for that alignment on the lateral. And then in addition, the ulna should overlie the radius so you should see a smooth line there. Um, on the lateral view another important thing to know how to do is to look at the scapho-lunate angle and so this is kinda nice it has the outline if you outline the lunate draw a line straight through the middle of it and then the scaphoid bone you can kinda see comes off over here and it, come, it should come down like that you draw a line along the edge or even straight through would give you the same angle and the normal angle should be between 30 and 60. Um, anytime it's greater than that then you have to think about ligament instability or some sort of fracture there as well. So just talking about some distal radius injuries. Uh, college fracture is really common as we know and it, this is kind of used to loosely describe any fracture of the distal radius with or without involvement of the ulna. But it should have um, dorsal displacement of the fracture fragments. Mechanism is usually a follow on outstretched hand, and on the X-rays you'll see um, a dinner fork deformity, which is what it's commonly called. Um, complications of this can include compression or contusion of the median nerve, um, as I talked about before, because it overlies that main area right there. Here's an example: um, you can see the fracture through the radius, and then the displacement is named for the distal part of the fracture the distal part of the fracture is dorsally so the dorsal displacement equals a collies fracture um, here you can see here's the dorsal to it and on the PA view this one actually extends up into the uh, intraarticular space too Smith fracture is the opposite of the collies so again it's used to describe any fracture of the distal radius, with or without involvement of the ulna, and then this will have volar displacement of the distal fragments. Uh, the mechanism for this is usually um, falling onto a supinated forearm um, or some sort of like large hyper hyperflexion force. Usually these uh, occur in younger patients, and these are far less common than a Colles fracture. So this time the distal fragment. Displaced volarly, if that's a word, um, and you can see that on the lateral view here. And so the key in all of these is, is here. You can see like the three Cs are still intact. You have the radius, the lunate, and the capitate that are all still aligned. So you just have that fracture there, no other displacement of the carpal bones. Another distal radius injury is a Barton's fracture, and this is a dislocation of the radiocarpal joint. Uh, they're kind of shear type fractures. So you'll have a fracture of the distal aspect of the radius, and then you'll have a dislocation of everything distally to that. Uh, these usually have a high tendency to redislocate and to not um, heal well, so they usually will require operative treatment. So here's an example. Um, the volar fracture is the most common one. So you see kind of like an oblique fracture through the intraarticular area, and then you have displacement um, of the distal pieces, which is how it's. Um, and then just the opposite the dorsal displacement on this side here's a real area of it um, hard to tell on the AP view what exactly is going on you can see there's a fracture but then if you look on the lateral view you can see the fracture here and then all the carpal bones have kind of come along with it you can see still though that the articular surface of the radius still is in communication with the lunate and the capitate though not really going to talk about that because there's a lot of things there. Um, so all of those usually will, re- will require um, hematoma block or some sort of sedation. And, um, most of the time, which you can do the things that were on the slide before that are some indications for it, but there's a lot of numbers so we don't have to really talk about that. So the rest of the ones I'm gonna talk about, I stole this from our USC Essentials course last year because it was really good and really helpful. I've kind of forgotten all this stuff, so it's good to review it again. Um, she used this mnemonic, Homer Simpson, for these commonly missed high-risk injuries that you always wanna look for on wrist x-rays. So the D stands for Dislocation or Dissociation. First one is uh, scapho-lunate Dissociation. This is the most common um, and significant ligamentous injury of the wrist. Again, as most of these will be, the mechanism has fallen to outstretched and extreme wrist extension. So what you'll see on the x-ray, in the PA view, um, I'll show you pictures of this, you'll have more than four millimeters of widening of the space between the scaphoid and the lunate. Um, and remember, I said anything greater than 2 is abnormal. So definitely, if it's between 2 and 4, you'd have a high suspicion. Greater than 4 is definitely a sign of this. It's called the Terry Thomas sign. Um, And then these other things I'll show you, the signet ring. And then if you look on the lateral, the lunar angle will be greater than 60 degrees. The treatment for this is uh, usually you can place them in just a radial uh, gutter or short arm splint, but they uh, will usually need an open reduction and fixation. So they definitely need orthopedic referral. So, here you can really see the space between the scaphoid and the lunate is a lot larger than any of these others. Um, this one just happens to have another carpal fracture in here, which isn't uncommon to have when you have dissociation. Um, the, the reason they name it the Terry Thomas sign here he is. This is a little, the gap between his teeth. He was like a British comedian. You um, can whatever celebrity you want. They call it like David Letterman sign or Madonna. I don't know. It depends on which book. So if there's a gap in someone's teeth, be suspicious. And then the signet ring sign, which they talk about, pretty much the, the scaphoid kind of turns on end. So you're seeing like the little gem part of the scaphoid is here. And then the ring shape. And here's, it's kind of blurry, sorry, but here's the normal wrist over here. So you can see how it's just kind of smooth here. You don't have that little ring area over the distal pole like you do over here. Make sure I'm getting everything. Sounds good. And then here's that lateral view. Um, so this is why it's important to know what you're looking at and then how to measure the scapho angle. So lunate here. You can see that the radius is still articulating okay. That's not dislocated at all. Um and it's kind of hard to see in here, your calculate sitting there too. But then if you outline your um scaphoid here. But this angle is definitely like greater than 60 degrees. It's almost 90 degrees. So unless you're really looking for that, you'd probably miss it on a lateral view. So just keep that in mind. So the next one um, is a perilunate dislocation. Same thing with this one to outstretched hand. Uh, in this case, the lunate will uh, stay in the normal position, and then all the other carpal bones are dislocated posteriorly. This is a lot of times it's associated with a scaphoid. So, uh, Complications of like this are median nerve injury and then scapho lunate advanced collapse, which is kind of like the end result of non healing of um, the dislocation, which turns into arthritis and other problems down the road. And then all the perilunate and then uh, just simple lunate dislocations require a consultation. consultation. Um, so on the AP view, you can't really see a whole lot unless you really look closely at the arcs that I talked about before. So you can see that the proximal arc is, is relatively intact, but you get through here into the second arc and it's kind of blurred right through the area of the lunate here. So that middle arc is kind of disrupted, which would kind of make you look more closely on the lateral view. And then you can see that the the radius, it still sits there, the lunate still sits closely next to it, but you can see instead of the cap, um, it should be kind of out here articulating with the lunate. Back here, and all the rest of the bones have been displaced posteriorly. And then a simple lunate dislocation. This is more severe, um, tends to make your carpal bones and wrists very unstable, and again can be associated with scaphoid fractures. Uh, same mechanism, fall onto a, a hyperextended wrist. Same sort of complications, and again, orthopedic consultation. So here on the same thing on the on the uh, AP view, here you're missing a, you're having a little bit of gap in that proximal arch, and then here the middle two arcs are disrupted because your lunate's kind of been turned uh, sideways. So usually it should appear kind of more uh, square appearing, but here it appears more triangular. So you can see that on the AP view. Oops. And then lateral view is where you'll see the um, typical spilled teacup is here. So here's your radius that should be sitting on top of it but instead your capitate has moved down there and is sitting on top of it. So moving on to the O stands for occult fractures. Um, things that are often missed just on plain film so have a high index of suspicion depending on your uh, physical exam. Uh, the scaphoid fractures, they're the most frequently injured carpal bone. About 60 to 70% of carpal fractures are this bone. And then 10 to 15% of them aren't demonstrated on routine x rays. So, um, as we all know, if you have any tenderness to the snuffbox area of your wrist, which the uh, scaphoid makes up the base of your snuffbox there, then you should have a high index of suspicion for this fracture. And this one is fairly obvious on the x ray. The white arrow helps, but um, otherwise, you can see that one very well. So again, just to review, because this seems to come up a lot, blood supply comes along the dorsal and distal aspect, And so it comes into the um, distal aspect of the bone across to the proximal aspect. So if you have a fracture across the waist of the bone there, then it can compromise blood flow to the proximal portion. And as a result of that, you'll get avascular necrosis, which will happen in 10 to 30% of fractures. And then, um, so that's just kind of a relative ischemia of the bone, and then it can progress on to the lunate advanced collapse, which is the arthritis and kind of a chronic subluxation of the joint there. So you have to splint all risks with snuffbox tenderness. Um, if there's a fracture, for sure, they'll be referred on to ortho, and then if there's not, they need follow-up x-rays to make sure um, you don't see one in seven to 10 days make sure they're in the, the uh, spica splint. Uh, Triquetrum fractures, these only make up about 10% of the carpal bone fractures, but it's the second most common carpal bone um, fracture you'll come across. And same force hyperflexion of the wrist. Um, and this one is can be hard to see on x-rays too, so um, have a high index suspicion when they have tenderness over the um, ulnar aspect. Of the dorsal wrist, and then these can be associated with other perilunate dislocations. So make sure you look closely at the X-rays. Treatment for this is usually a uh, sugar tong splint and follow-up. So here on the um, on the AP and oblique views, uh, you can see the arcs are kind of they look all intact there. Um, it's hard to see on these two views because the um, The pisiform kind of overlaps it, so you can't really tell until you get to the lateral view. And usually what you'll see is just this little dorsal chip off of the bone there. It's not real impressive. Um, Lunate fractures, these were mentioned a lot, um, but they're relatively uncommon just to be an isolated fracture. But supposedly it's important because it occupies like two-thirds of the articular surface of the radius. So if you did have a fracture there, it would be important that you didn't miss that. Um, and mostly it's made by exam because it's hard to see on x-rays. So you have tenderness over the base of the third metacarpal and just distal to the edge of your radius there. Um, Thumb spike a splint and then a referral. So it's kind of treated the same as if you'd have a suspicion for a scaphoid fracture. Do the same thing with this because it can result in um, avian if it's not found. And so I didn't find there's... I couldn't just find an x-ray anywhere of just a lunate fracture, so it can't be that common, I guess. And then the H is for half of injuries missed. So make sure if you see something that's really obvious, look for other things up in the carpal bones that um, that wouldn't be so obvious. The so we always hear about are Galeazzi fractures. So this is a distal third or distal half to distal third of the radius is fractured, and then you have disruption of the distal radial ulnar joint and there's this little mnemonic to help you remember the difference between this and uh, the Monteggia fractures. So Monteggias are the ulnar fracture and then you have um, a radial head dislocation. The Galeazzi is a radial fracture and then you have the ulnar dislocation. So this is usually fall on an outstretched hand. Usually they'll have their elbow flexed with this and then what you'll see on the x-ray on the lateral view the ulna won't align with the radius And then sometimes you can see an ulnar siloid fracture, which will allow for that widening of the um, distal radial ulnar joint. And these do need surgical fixation. So this one's fairly obvious. You can see the large fracture here, and then the widening of the joint space up here. And then on lateral, um, you can definitely see the fracture, but you can see that the ulna doesn't quite overlie the radius very well. And then this is one that's not quite as obvious and you can see like you'd see the big radial fracture and then you'd forget to look up here at all um, and see that the joint space is widened here. So just keep that in mind if you have fractures. Make sure you always look up here and look for other ones too. And then anytime you have a fracture of the radius or ulna always look for associated carpal bones. But this is the most famous one so keep that one in mind. Anyone have questions? Those are the main things I think we need to know, things to look out for.